yet to get the title card correct on this. Hey, hey, hey. You over there? Are you listening? I'm still just getting adjusted over. No. Tap, tap on the mic. Welcome to the Nightmare Box. This is Mistakes Were Made presenting this week's edition of Two Star Tuesdays. While we, I, I hit the record button a little early, so there's going to be a little confusion right off the top. But I'm trying to fix my set. pop screen because I have, as I'm sure you, the listener, have realized, extremely harsh S's. I didn't even notice, and I've been dating you for damn near two years. So. I think it's um, <laughs> worse on recordings. See, there it is. Now it's all I'm going to be able to hear. Do you want to do the theme song for Friday the 13th? Because you'd be better at it? No. Don't be an ass. No? (laughs) (laughs) See what I can do? You're mean. I'm adorable. Stop picking on me. This is the Friday the 13th. I can't believe we get to do this. Uh, 2009, the remake. I'm not coming at the original. Fuck off. And I'm sorry in advance to the people that are diehard fans of the series because we jokingly clicked on it to see the rating and then realized it fell into what qualified as a two-star oh, it, review. It did worse than the resort, according to the criteria that we've set forward. Um, Which, if you're not aware, I know we keep calling this Two Star Tuesday, and we ranted about that a while ago. Netflix took away the star rating, so we're basically doing it on the critic reviews of um, Rotten Tomatoes. So if it's below 50%. If it's within 5 to 6 on the IMDb, below 50. And the Metacritic is almost always insanely low. So the Metacritic is almost always below 50%. If we went off the Metacritic, we could justify damn near any movie we wanted to do. What's the Godfather rating? 33? (laughs) Holy shit. So, yeah. um, It may have done well when it released, but the critics rated it low (laughs) enough that welcome to Two Star Tuesday. Welcome to fucking Two Star Tuesday. Not doing Thumbs Down Thursday. Eat a dick, former self. (laughs) (laughs) but no i was excited because um if i if i had to rank the canonical three of the slasher series and i know leatherface counts but he doesn't um yeah i'll come out of texas chainsaw massacre i don't care if it started the goddamn genre (laughs) fuck right off Leatherface has nothing on Michael, Freddie, and Jason. <laughs> Just in numbers of bodies, it's it, it's reckless. Um, but if I was going to talk about, you know, the canonical three, uh, Jason would be at the bottom of my list as far as the canonical three. Really? Yeah. What's one's your number one? Uh, uh, Halloween. Uh, Michael Myers. I painted him. Oh, <laughs> I, pa- I painted him and hung up a picture. I feel like and, Nightmare on Elm might be my favorite of the three. Yeah. Uh, it's a really close call between those two. And then it's like, do you want to watch Friday the 13th? And it's like, is that the only thing on AMC? Because uh, <laughs> like I, I can think of uh, like a few more that I would rather watch. The first one's good, which is weird because the first one doesn't really involve Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched that movie that came out 11 years before I was born, that's not my fucking fault. <laughs> that seems to me um, fun trivia fact. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there earlier. Um, we were reading trivia about the original film and uh, the original Friday the 13th. The 
writer, I believe it was, said that he was uh, openly admitting to piggybacking off of the success of Halloween. Uh, and, Victor Miller. Yeah. And um, I think it's interesting because Psycho, I'm assuming, came out first as well, and that's yeah. kind of borrowing from Psycho as well. Well, like, in my research, like, and I, I've read... I've read Psycho a couple of times, the Robert Block book. Um, I've seen the movie countless times. I wrote a fucking term paper on it that took three months. I'm, I'm very familiar with Psycho. And in all my research, people were saying that was the originator of the slasher series. Mm-hmm. There's Psycho, and then there is uh, Maniac, which I believe also came out in 1980. And Maniac is supposed to be like the, the new era film that nobody, you know, outside of diehard slasher fanatics has ever really watched there there was a remake that I don't think did very well but um where was I going with that uh we were talking about Psycho yeah so you have Psycho which I believe was 50 god damn it 56 uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. If we're going to talk Hitchcock, we can't screw that up. Yeah, well, let's see. Um, and then you've got the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which comes out in 1974. And the Texas Chainsaw Massacre basically launches the genre as we understand the genre. 60, 1960. 1960. Did the book come out in 56? Is there a reason why I'm thinking 56? Uh, Did the Gein murders happen in 56? The number is just... The world will never know. I've got... Uh, we, <laughs> Cell phone research on the flight. Kristen, pull that up. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 1959 on the book. 1959. So one year prior. I'm, 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 I'm in the in the vein. Still not counting myself. <coughs> you were closer than oh, I would have been. I probably it. would have been like 70s. <laughs> I wonder if the Dean murders were 56. I'm, I'm not looking that up for you. <laughs> Anyway, um, so yeah, it, it more or less got founded with um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then I believe the next big one was Michael Myers, the Halloween. Um, that was John Carpenter. But we were talking about earlier, like, you know John Carpenter and you know Wes Craven. And we had to look up the name of the dude who came up with the Friday the 13th. And the director for that one was Sean S. Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Not the same dude here. I'm just kind of getting some of the original trivia out of the way so that, you know, I sound like I know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, but what blew our minds about that fucking movie was it was made for $550,000. That's madness to me. You know, just over a half a mil and grossed $60 million fucking dollars. And these were like college kids hanging out in a cabin in the woods. Yeah, that's <laughs> madness. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even realize that was considered an independent film. The original one? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Or in the research that I was yeah. looking at earlier, somebody referenced it. I must as an have missed that. Film. If I quote bad knowledge, correct me because uh, mistakes Google, were made <laughs> Google is backing everything. I will apologize for a couple of things, but like, the title of the show, bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> we're figuring out, you want a job here? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> want to be the research person be the research person i've got a, a yellow notepad we do all of this in a fancy diner that is definitely not the laundry mat <laughs> next to the high school and i i rely heavily on the honesty of google <laughs> <laughs> wikipedia in particular despite all the advice <laughs> that we've been given against uh the original um victor miller which i guess is the writer i, I forgot to write mm-hmm. down who wrote a, the original i think there were two writers it was one of the writers uh gave jason the name josh 
um, initially, which I didn't know, and then changed it because Josh sounded like, I guess, too much of a pussy. And so he named Jason after his high school bully. So synchronicities, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess Victor Miller was probably the main writer. There's a second person like listed on the IMDb, but it says they're uncredited. Um, Ron Kurz, it's hmm. K-U-R-Z. Sure. I believe Victor Miller was probably the head writer. And the original camp counselors were modeled after the Pepsi children. Those, uh, <laughs> those like, isn't it fun to drink a Coke? Like with the uh, fucking, <laughs> the, the, the gay guy who did the song with Elton John. I'm terrible with names. You can't. Michael, he died recently. My mom loves his music. Bill Hicks made fun of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to. Don't let the sun go down on me. He did it at the AIDS concert. <laughs> legendary George Michaels. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That's the one. My, my brain is just a cobweb of like, like the, the little meme where the dude's like pointing all over the wall. And he's like, it's tied to this and it's tied to you that. You gave me Michael and my brain went to Bolton. Yeah, and I was I, like, I know that's not right. I cannot remember names for shit, but I can name 15 things that they did and probably sing their songs. It's like it, it, the name is just never there. But uh, stepping into the modern-ish day of 10 years ago, into 2009, to the remake that we watched the other night, um, this one received a 5.6 on IMDb, a 25% criticism ra- crit- critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 45% audience rating, as opposed to the $550,000 to $60 million of the original film. This one had a budget of $19 million, much larger budget, grossed 91 million worldwide so as it's impressive that is not 550,000 to 60 million you know that's damn near 20 million into 90 million so uh i'm just gonna throw this out there if anybody out there wants to give me 19 million to make a movie i'll I'll take it i mean i'm probably gonna fake my death and move to columbia (laughs) so i can just die in a mound of cocaine But, yeah, no, if you want to give me $19 million, I'll tell you that I'll make a movie all goddamn day. (laughs) (laughs) I would shit my pants for the opportunity to make a film on 550K. Like, I would lose my shit. You're like, I'll make a movie, but it's going to take me the next 30 years to finish it. It's going to take 30 years. You hang in there. I need a six-month allowance for living expenses. (laughs) Uh, I need, like, a whole, like hookers and cocaine allowance <laughs> <laughs> I only stay in fancy no I, I, uh, I'd I'd probably get that contract and then like jump out the closest window because I'm like this is the peak and then I'm like never, <laughs> never actually do anything within 19 million I think it's <laughs> <laughs> okay warming up oh but it, it grossed uh, 43 million in the opening Weekend, which is almost half of what it earned. Yeah, so that's a did damn, damn well yeah, opening if weekend. If you're making franchise movies, you pull rank. Like if you're like I'm making the first Jason movie in the past ten years, you get everybody. Like a Star Wars movie where it's like they all dress up like Qui Gon Jinn or. Was this the one that knocked Grudge out of its spot for best opening weekend? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, I think right now this one holds the best opening weekend. I, I think in horror that. specifically. Yeah, biggest opening weekend for a horror remake. Oh, yeah, beat the grudge. Yeah. yeah. So it did better than... I, I don't think the Halloween one had come out at this point, but... 
if it still holds the record, it still holds the record, I guess. I don't know that it specifically said it's currently holding the record. It said at the time it. Yeah. So there could be a different record holder now, but still, like, that's a hell of an opening weekend. <laughs> and we've got trivia for this one, you know, which is where we pulled that fun little nugget <laughs> out of, which is uh, Michael Bay was uh, part of the production for this film. and he, Oh, and it shows. And he walked out because there was too much sex. Yeah, I was, I was telling Brett earlier that... Um, Initially, that that fact caught me off guard because I was like, all of Michael Bay's films are tits and explosions. And I was like, he probably uh, told the crew, sex sells, you know, show some boob. And then they literally just put a bunch of people having sex. And he's like, that's not what I meant, guys. They hired a couple of porn stars. They did a two and a half minute just girl getting rammed while this dude is like just playing with her tits. And he's like, you have such beautiful boobs. Stupendous. Stupendous. Stupendous Stupendous tits. And and there's the couple in the tent at the ridiculously long opening scene that he's just railing her from behind for like two minutes. While his buddy's out looking for weed in the middle of the night. I'm that dude in the movie. If I, you know, like you have to pick like a dude that you are, I'm the guy that's like, okay, you guys all have fun. I'm going to go figure out where the drugs are. So (laughs) have a good one. Which was, um, and we'll probably get to that, you know, here in a minute. So let me, uh, yeah. We're definitely getting to the, the pot and the... Oh, we can and, go ahead and, and address they, it. ...change stuff. Um, officer Brack, the police officer in the movie, hired 12 hours before he was meant to start shooting, which is just a fucking miracle. Like, <laughs> how are you given $19 million? You can't find a guy to play a cop. You can't I hire would imagine, a cop. Because <laughs> uh, when I was in um, college still, uh, we watched... I want to say season three of Project Greenlight. Um, it's the one where they do... Ah, uh... oh, fuck, now I've forgotten what that movie is called. Anyway, um, like, it shows you, like, the whole, like, pre-production process and, like, actual shooting post-production, and I would imagine it was probably they had several actors set aside and they were, like holding out for one person and then scheduling didn't work out so they were like shit let's go with the backup guy because that yeah. was like one of the issues they had in project Greenlight. they like wanted a specific actor and they were like doing negotiations and it fell through at the last minute so they had to cast one of their actors pretty last minute too so i'm gonna bet that's what happened they were holding out for a bigger star and then it didn't work out so they're like fuck let's I go with this like guy you can get a guy to play a cop like almost any dude who you know but at this point, the series is pretty far in, right? I mean, they've put out a whole bunch of Friday the 13th, so at this yeah. point, the hype is probably less enthusiastic for, like, more serious actors. Do you think, I think it would be, like, 500 people play generic cop Officer Brack, who is in the movie for, like, 10 minutes, right? Like, he yeah, he's pulls not, he's him not over in the beginning and then shows up at the end. But I think it's probably one of those things where they're like, oh, we want a couple of names on this film. So they tried to get someone with a name that would pull audiences and then, you know. The best cop (laughs) in any movie is in the original Last House on the Left. I think that's the movie. If I fuck that up, I'm going to hurt myself. But he pulls over the chicken truck. And he has to, like, get a ride because it's, it, it's, like, part horror film. And then when they do all the shots with the cops, it's, like, that old <laughs> uh, fucking Dukes of Hazard horse shit. Like, <laughs> like, the cop is getting in all these dumb situations. 
That's the best cop in any horror film, <laughs> I think. He's my favorite. Um, we're addressing this because it vaguely pissed me off, but um, this has one of the longest prologues to any horror film ever made, where the title card drops at minute 25. That is pretty bizarre. Like, they... Like, it's not even that I have a problem with the prologue being so long. It's that the prologue... It's a fucking short film that happens <laughs> before the rest of the yeah, goddamn like, movie. The prologue was, outside of one single character, insignificant to the entire rest of the film. Yeah. Like, they wasted 25 minutes to put one character that needed to be there, there. Well, it turns out, again, as you found out when you were, you know digging up the trivia and stuff it, it wasn't accidental because there's exactly 13 kills in the film mm-hmm. so it's they, so just, they just threw superfluous they just characters padded their numbers yeah really. so they could kill off 13 people yeah i think you open right there at minute 25 i don't need to i was ex- <laughs> this is the first time paramount has been involved in the series <laughs> since yes. 1989 and uh, you may be asking yourself, well, what happened in 1989? The classic Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, happens oh. in 1989. Which and after means, that, you probably just wash your hands. Which means series. between 1980 and 1989, they were on Part 8 of the Friday the 13th series. This motherfucker was just like, kill him in the woods. Kill him in the woods. Now it's just him killing people in the woods. Now he's got a hockey mask. Now he's not got a hockey mask. Now he's just over here. By part eight, he was like, fuck it. He found a sore system. He's moved to the city. He's just taking people out in the middle of the crack epidemic. Jason's just like... That actually threw me off because I haven't probably honestly watched beyond like three or four. Mm. You know, I definitely have not kept up. You don't need to. (laughs) Jason X is fucking hilarious. Uh... Jason I may have takes seen. Manhattan is fucking awesome. I may have seen Jason X. Freddy versus Jason. I have like seen a, that one. A, a, that's a classic. Like I've seen like random films like mm-hmm. like interspersed in, but um, like in a row. I've only seen the first couple because yeah, like after a while it gets a little ridiculous. But that blew me away that eight yeah came out in eighty nine that they had already pumped out that yeah. many. They went from five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. They got that sixty million dollar return, and that was just paramount with a shovel going, go ahead, do whatever you have to do. Every millions of dollars is just another time we can turn the fucking initial creator over in his grave because the first one's the only one with a plot. Fuck. And also interesting that they abandoned ship moving into the 90s because the 90s was kind of where slasher films started to see a bit of a rebirth. Yeah, well, that, that the 90s, which, again, I told you I was reading some articles, found out that It, the new It movie, was the, is the highest grossing uh, horror film of all time. Made it for $35 million. It made $370 million, which is just a, a mind fuck of a number. But um, Scream was on the list of, like, the top ten where, you know, Scream, or not Scream, but Scream 2. Mm-hmm. Like, Scream hit it so fucking hard that it caused the rebirth. And then Scream 2 came through and, like, blew the original Scream yeah. out of the water. So it's I, like I, one I, of those sequels that just, like, throttle fucks the goddamn original. <laughs> I do find that interesting. But, like I said, yeah. Paramount abandoned ship right before Slasher kind of, like, found a new home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... 
the 80s were kind of bogged down. In the 90s, it was a lot more about, which everybody, I guess, followed Craven's example, mm -hmm. which is, why don't we just make fun of this thing yeah. that we've created? Which I did a... You, you helped me with that a little bit, I think, with some of the research, but I did a, a paper, do you remember that? Yeah, On yeah. Uh, Wes Craven in particular. But um, while I was in college, I did a paper, and part of what got brought up was slasher films, and it was saying um, what made slasher films in the 90s so unique was that they weren't just mindless killers anymore. They were, like, witty, intelligent, yeah. you know, character villains that you could almost connect with on a level. By the so, end of it, you wind up with... Uh... Kevin Spacey in Seven. <laughs> like, it gives way to Jigsaw mm -hmm. in the early 2000s. Uh, yeah, the, it, there's a very interesting point in the late 90s, early 2000s, where we almost get it back, and then the remakes start happening. And, and we're... Remakes. <laughs> a son of a bitch. We're completely off... made two good ones. <laughs> <laughs> we're completely off topic, but just to throw this out there, um, I went as Ghostface for a couple of years for Halloween. Yeah. Uh, I had the mask that, like, bled blood if mm -hmm. you, like, pumped the little heart. I wanted so. that mask, <laughs> and I got a... Um, uh, fucking werewolf mask that glue in the dark and it had like the little fake blood on the inside and I was like that's not ghost face right? it's like my mom was like yeah but it's on sale so we're, we're yeah, gonna mom... be a werewolf I fucking kept that mask for like years I loved that fucking thing my mom bought it for me she let me do it but I think she thought I was a little weird because I was just like no it's like ghost face yeah. his face bleeds and I got this little like I had a knife that like if you tilted it down blood ran through the knife yeah too. that thing was cool man yeah my mom probably thought it was a bit of a weird kid <laughs> I, was, I was dracula a whole bunch i was uh wolverine um i think i was wolverine i was batman a lot when i was a kid <laughs> a lot of like vigilante-esque characters in my childhood development thanks mom i, appreciate it. <laughs> I think ghostface might have actually been my last halloween I costume call him a vigilante no. <laughs> I, was like, I mean technically i mean like... <laughs> yeah i think that might have been my last halloween costume because by then i was like early teens i was yeah. getting a little too old to still be trick-or-treating I think at that point it was just like, no, it's a cool costume. I gave up on it early, like the trick-or-treating aspect of mm -hmm. it. And we don't have a whole lot to say about this slasher movie. So if you're listening to this and you're like, get to the point. This is the point. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, what, what was I saying? I, I'm, I'm so keyed up. You gave up uh, trick-or-treating early on? I gave up trick-or-treating early, but like I still had costumes. Like I remember being 16, driving around in a car, kind of dressed up like the fucking Phantom of the Opera but I was just driving around town and wanted to dress up like Phantom of the Opera. I was like, this just sounds cool. I had like the little half mask, and I was like, I'm going to a party, but I just like <laughs> drove around town, like listening to the Sopranos theme song on a mixtape that I made. <laughs> uh, I think I was like maybe 13, 14, I guess the last time I like legit went trick-or-treating mm -hmm. for myself, but then my sister had uh, my niece, so there was one year when I was like in my 20s that I went as Harley Quinn because I took her trick-or-treating. that's just what everybody did that year. <laughs> yeah. It was a damn so good outfit. Took... That, was a, that was a good outfit for that year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I took her trick-or-treating, and I was like, well, fuck if I'm not dressing up too. <laughs> so I went as Harley Quinn. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a hilarious Halloween joke, but I'll probably save it. Uh, until you guys get to know me and my my sense of humor a little better. <laughs> what are you? I'm my dad. Did oh. I tell you that one? No. Oh, God damn it. 
Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. Oh, because that made me sad. Yeah. And then he passed away, and I got a whole tag for the joke because, you know, now I just don't go to Halloween parties. If you guys can't put together the premise of the joke from that information. Oh, yeah. yeah, you did tell me that. I was like, oh. It was showing up. Oh. Fuck it. All right. So I'm, I'm going to dive into the goods, and then we can get into the bads. Uh, we don't really have a whole lot of direction here, because I, I, I love slasher films, mm-hmm. so this is more or less a discussion about slasher using this one as a... And this is a very iconic series, so it's I mean, a, it, we yeah. can't really not discuss the genre yeah. while discussing such an iconic series. It's an iconic series, and you know what you're going into going in, because they've been making these movies for 40 years at this point, you know? And, uh, yeah, you, you, you can't take it seriously. It's not one of these other movies that we've watched where it's like, this is a new idea. It's like, no, <laughs> this is the same idea. Like, and I'm not, I don't have patience to sit through the other 15 goddamn Friday the 13th <laughs> movies. I didn't care about the character in the first one. I'm not going to care about him. <laughs> but uh, the good. <laughs> what I really liked about this one was that it plays with like all the classic tropes of Jason Voorhees. He's defensive this mm-hmm. time around, which I don't really remember being a thing from before. Like maybe around like the Freddy versus Jason type era, he might have started to develop some human traits. But in this movie, he's just a pot farmer who wants to be left the fuck alone. <laughs> but they said in the Trivia, which that kind of threw me off because I don't necessarily think I picked that up just watching it. They said in like some of the trivia that we were reading about the film that the pot is his to lure people there, but then at the same time he doesn't want you to come there. So he's like, "Here's my weed, but if you come, yeah, gonna kill you." It's like a weird "don't do drugs" like like callback, I think, to that Reagan-esque era where it was like the war on drugs. You know, he's not he's not an opium fucking. He's 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 got like three pot plants. He's not even like a major distributor. He's I like, found I'm it. Fuck up teenagers. I found it super interesting too, which I feel like that was paying a bit of homage to Leatherface. That all of the locals were like, "Yeah, Jason's up there, and he's gonna fucking kill you if yeah. you go up there." So we just kind that of screen door shot where he's talking yeah. to the old lady, and then and she's there's like, "We know where to step so that we don't disappear." And it's like that's very very Leatherface. Yeah, and there's like the one driver on the road that's like, ah, oh, damn, <coughs> like I'm yeah. he's here, I'm gonna go. Yeah, the, the the whole truck scene from the end of you know uh, Texas Chainsaw, mm-hmm. um, and then there's the scene where is it the cop where they've got the um, the antlers on the wall and he like picks them the up and fucking girl sticks them. goes on the antlers, it he the, stabs yeah. the cop with his knife on yeah, the door. Yeah, but the girl going on to the antlers and the way that he stands there over the body, that's like a callback to the very first Halloween movie where he picks that kid up by the throat and pins him in the door with mm-hmm. the kitchen knife. Uh, there, there were a lot of callbacks in the movie, which I believe is also on the list. And even callbacks yeah. to the original film, like they... Uh... His house is littered with souvenirs from across all the movies. Mm-hmm. Like if you go back and you rewatch the scene where like they're going down into the lair to like find uh, Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> she's a little forgettable. Yeah, she's a little forgettable. Um, there's all different kinds of shit down there that if you've seen the films, you'll recognize in an instant. And uh, 
There's actually, I guess, technically two prologues. There's a black and a white prologue which shows Mama Voorhees getting. I forgot all about her that. head chopped off. They remake the uh, the original ending. Mm-hmm. It, that <laughs> we're getting to the bad. It remind me of this. <laughs> yeah, that, that was something I, I didn't care for that, but we'll discuss that in a little no, bit. No, the, the double prologue. I've, I've, it's the very first thing on my bad list, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm getting through the goods. The Trying kills. To do a positive thing. The kills were fucking next level. There were a couple that I was kind of like, meh, like the very first kill in the movie. Um, I was, I was like, yeah, like well, they didn't they don't, really show it. Well, they don't show it, but they reveal the body, and I feel like if you're not gonna show the kill, the reveal has to be mm-hmm. significant. And the body didn't look very well done to me. It looked like just a mannequin. Like and the second kill was the popcorn girl, right? Because uh... I feel like we paused the movie and had this debate while we were watching it. Either if you're not gonna show the kill then the reveal has to be like Saw where the fucking, the, the ribs get pulled out and they're just like swinging on either side. No, I think the dude... Or the first kill needs to be fucked up at a level that you can't comprehend. I think the dude getting stabbed through the floor goes second and then Sleeping Bad Girl is third. Because we see her die and then did dude you, gets in the bear trap. Did you clench up at the knife under the floorboard that Michelle well they don't show his actual death he gets dragged through the floor but like I'm I think we've established that already a little squeamish to actual gore like I, I'm fine with horror well, this is all movie gore so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm not I can just sit here and watch the Bud Dwyer suicide over uh, and no. over again so I'm just saying like uh, gore in films bothers me a little bit and so I was fine with, like, the first stab, maybe yeah. even the second stab, but, like, Jason just kept repeatedly stabbing him through the floor, and I was just like, holy fuck, stop stabbing him and kill him. <laughs> like, Jesus, dude, why are you playing with your food? Just eat it. <laughs> was it implied that his lair runs underneath the floorboards? Yeah, even at that point. Okay. Because he drags him under the floor. I think I missed that entirely. Mm-hmm. I, I was, if you listened to the last conversational one before we recorded this, I was not in a very... Uh, healthy mind state when we sat down and watched that movie so parts of it are kind of a blur but no the uh the my favorite thing and the only thing i could remember from watching it in theaters was that goddamn popcorn bag because i was sitting there eating popcorn and then these, oh so that's why you call it that yeah, i was wondering why was you kept calling there, it well, that. because it looks like popcorn like it's like welcome thought, to the movie jackass <laughs> and she's in the sleeping bag hanging over the flame and she's just kicking and it looks like a popcorn bag. i thought maybe the bag was gonna explode at the end or <laughs> something i was like waiting no, on no, like her to pop she looks like a floating act two popcorn bag or whatever the fuck like, is it yeah act three act one whatever the popcorn people <laughs> but yeah jason uh strings her sleeping bag up over the open flame and i that goes down as favorite kill of the film for me it's definitely my favorite kill it was the only thing i remembered from watching it the first time about 10 years ago and it is the only thing that I care to talk about. I, I, I could spend the rest of this podcast talking about the popcorn kill and why it's so good. What a fucking right. way to go, though. Like, yeah. I think we've discussed it this. It heats you up, scares the shit out of you, and then when it ends, you're just engulfed in nylon and flame. Like, oh. you're fucked. <laughs> well, I think we've discussed this before. I feel like of all the ways to die, and if you're a ser- serial killer listening to this podcast, don't use this against me later. Noted. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> of, all, of all the ways in the 
the world to die burning alive is probably up there with like most traumatic for me. I yeah. don't know. I don't know why. I don't have a, a reason for it. I'm just like that sounds horrible. No, the best way to go out in a horror film, as you pointed out in the fucking laundry mat, crossbow to the face. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Oh, I got a topless girl. I'm just <laughs> skimming around on a. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, for me, like, I'm like, that is, like, all of my worst nightmares yeah. right there. Like, she's suspended above the fire cooking to In death. a tiny enclosed space Ugh. she can't fucking get out of. Yeah. Because she never camps, so she doesn't have a pocket so, knife in her pocket. Yeah, I, I voted um, Arrow to the Faces. If we have to pick one of the, the kills in the film is how we're going out. Arrow to the Faces, my kill. And Brett decided for whatever reason he wanted to be in the In the popcorn bag. bag. So. Because, like, if you're gonna die via serial killer, you want to be the person that they fucking remember. You don't want to be, like... <laughs> Sarah, somebody who like just kind of wound up on the side of the road. No, you need to be like Jason. Ambushed this I'm... bitch, killed her boyfriend, stuffed her in a sleeping bag, and hung her over an open flame so she could burn to death in front of her other fucking friend. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I'm cruising on a boat with Bay and her through the eye before I know I'm dead. Bay gets it ten times worse. Bay sees her boyfriend get shot in the fucking face. The boat spins around, runs into her fucking face, and then she gets like completely taken out like machete through the top of the dome gone so dear listener this is my one um request from you for this podcast if you watch the film you have to write in which death you're choosing yeah no a hundred percent what is our email well we post them on facebook usually so if you hit us up at facebook either or i just need to know that you people love me (laughs) Facebook.com slash Nightmare Box Productions. But if you really want to email us, uh, Nightmare Box Productions mm-hmm. at uh, gmail.com. Yeah, no, tell us how and why. Or if if you have a way that you want to die because you saw it in another horror film, shoot us. I get a letter. <laughs> because I've, I've, I've seen a lot of horror films and I've been like, God damn it, that would be weird. But that would be so <laughs> fucking cool. I don't, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm not trying to get killed by Jason Voorhees, <laughs> but you know. If you had to think of yourself as the person that dies, <laughs> I've remembered Popcorn Girl for 10 years. <laughs> last, no, not last night, but the other day, she earned another 10 years of memories. Ooh. Can you refill me? I can refill you. I need a refill anyway. Oh, let me see here. Um, the tunnel system, which you said was in uh, the original script, I guess. Um... Not necessarily the original script, but there was a script where in the trivia it said it implied that that idea may have been stolen, but the writers for this film claim it was original idea, so Well, I, I feel knows? like the tunnel system's been used before, but I can't remember what film. I, I, weirdly enough, I want to say it was one of the Texas Chainsaw remakes, like one of like the... Um, like Chainsaw the Beginning or, or, you know, one of those ones that nobody paid attention to, but I can't really remember right now. Um, but no, the tunnel system was interesting because it gives you that glimpse into Jason's daily life, you know. He's a, he's a pot farmer with a museum of the macabre. Over here talking to myself and then realized halfway through we've already talked about that. Yeah, you can't ask me to refill you and then try to ask me a question when I'm not at the mic. Well, I looked down at the good thinking I had one more. Um, But the uh, last one I have was one that you had, which is 
maybe the best part was we set out to do an analytical watch of this movie. Mm-hmm. And we were so caught up in like the last 20 minutes, we forgot that that's what we were doing. Yeah, and I've been doing, which that might have been part of it, uh, and I think I mentioned that already in one of our other podcasts, an alcohol fast, because I'm trying to get in shape. So I I was, I said I've been doing an alcohol fast because I'm trying to get in shape, so I was sober. Better way to say uh, when you drink with bread, it happens all the time, so you're doing responsible drinking. (laughs) Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to take my gym time seriously, and Brett doesn't remotely need to. Brett's killing me at the gym game, so I'm doing an alcohol fast because I need to. But um, I was sober when we watched this, so that may have been part of it. But holy hell, there at the end, I get a bit of anxiety with excessive mm. gore, and the kills were really ramping up there at the end. So taking out Chewy with that fucking screwdriver. I covered my face for that kill. <laughs> And I think was chewing on my fingers the How whole rest Trent of the film. Die? How did the douche die? I've forgotten. That's a good question. How did uh, Trent Chewy die? ate a screwdriver. Lawrence. How did Lawrence die? This shit all happens. It's like it, it's it, one kill. Lawrence is the one who takes the shield and goes out into the shed. And he gets the axe to the back. Kind of unceremonious. Not that impressive yeah um i don't remember how trent died though that is a good question oh trent's the one who gets speared to the car motherfucker yeah trent's the one who gets dragged away on the car because he like hesitates for a very long time because they lead you to think that jason's driving the the car stops the car and he's like help help it's like take my kill out there on fucking 41 i don't need that shit very (laughs) texas chainsaw call back there god damn yeah Trent's the one who gets speared to the car and driven away and um I guess technically a negative but also a, a moment in the film where they're kind of poking fun at themselves Trent has a gun in the cabin and uh Trent is a complete and utter douchebag the whole film but I like doesn't really believe that there's a killer until Lawrence gets killed in the yard, and then Trent's like, fuck this, I'm gonna go get the gun. And Clay, the main character, is like, you've had a gun this whole time? Well, you know what I read while you were in the bath? Because I was just outside going through all of the trivia pieces. Mm -hmm. I went through the goofs section, and I didn't notice this. The entire movie, Clay has a fucking nine-inch fixed-blade K-bar on his side. Never looks for it. Really? He has a K-bar knife on his belt. And he's just rummaging around for weapons. Like, oh, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to use. It's like, you're the guy who carries a K-bar knife. You're walking around looking for a reason to pin somebody to a fucking wall. You don't think to use that? You fucking idiot. <laughs> and then the shithead who has the gun. They do. They do. We've entered the bat. Well, to be fair. I've had a few beers. So, (laughs) to be fair, they do poke fun of that because Clay immediately, as soon as the gun comes out, is like, "What the fuck is your problem? Why didn't you say that you had a gun earlier?" No, the true question is: Your family's been living here. There's been a serial killer active for the past forty years to the point where the old lady knows how not to get killed by Jason, but the weird, perverted garage dude doesn't know that he's not ain't supposed to walk where I ain't supposed to walk. I'm just gonna sit here licking pussy via a magazine. Gets fucked up. <laughs> okay, you're off the rails. <laughs> Reel it in. <laughs> uh, I don't think they live in that cabin. I think that's their vacation spot. It's their like summer home. It's his parents' summer vacation home. spot. Yeah, but not... you live in the woods. 
And so you have one forty caliber semi-automatic handgun that apparently only has one magazine. You they, don't have a hunting rifle. There's not a shotgun. You don't have. No, they any. live on the good side of the lake. You don't go to the other side of the lake. Is the problem? I don't. I live on the good side of Murfreesboro. <laughs> I have a lot of guns. Like, <laughs> there's not a serial killer active in the area. <laughs> fucking shit up but if he shows up at my doorstep i can hit him from a bunch of different distances like I'm like <laughs> <laughs> but anyway like i was saying they do poke fun at themselves for that because um trent fires at everything that even moves or makes a sound and clay is like stop wasting the bullets yeah, so they do kind of poke fun at themselves for that all you're doing is telling him where we are right now this is a man who's been hit by an RPG. Why did nobody open with that? So like, why has nobody gone over there and confronted Jason? That old bitch should have been like, well, actually, back in the fucking 80s, we hit him with a goddamn rocket launcher and blew him to a whole bunch of goddamn pieces. And then we sent him to space and he's remake. somewhere back here. It's not a remake. Settle down. Because in the remake, the mother was the killer. So it's not a remake. Settle yourself. We have a while to go. <laughs> if anything, it's a remake of <laughs> Friday the 13th, too. <sighs> you the, can't get this mad about it. I am going to get this mad about it. <laughs> the prologue is exhausting. I didn't care for the first prologue. I think you got to pick one. I don't think you can... The black and white. The black and white yeah, remake of me. the original shot. And I feel like and if you do a twenty-five minute short film, I feel like if you're gonna use black and white, like black and white is a very dramatic look. And um, if you're gonna do black and white, you've got to do it well. And there was not enough like contrast. I don't know if it was the lighting or what, but it looked like they shot it in color and then just edited it into black and white. Like it didn't look like it was shot to be a black and white yeah. shot. And so it wasn't very dynamic, and that's what bugged me the most. I was like, it could have just been like 60 years ago or however the fuck along mm-hmm. ago it was supposed to be. Like, they put it in black and white just to be like, this is in the past. Well, no shit, but it looks shitty. Yeah. I think it's hilarious you think that 1980 was 60 years ago. <laughs> I'm saying however long ago Jason died. <laughs> I was just throwing a number out there. I don't, like, when. when is his origin story, though? Is it... The year that it was filmed. <laughs> I wound myself up too much too early. Yeah. <coughs> now, I don't think you get both. I think that you can give us that initial shot and then go into the movie. And I can acknowledge that you're not remaking, which means it's not a remake. It means it's a sequel. Uh, you're not remaking Friday the 13th. You are creating a sequel to Friday the 13th because Jason was just a fucking 10-year-old kid that had drowned in a lake back during the original movie, so it's hard to believe that this is recent, you know. But what was the point of the black and white section? Because... I think it's to pay homage to the... I mean, yeah, that's literally got to be the only reason. Like, they show a photo of his mom later on in the film to the kidnapped victim who never met his mom yeah and like they have no fucking idea who this guy is apparently they make a side (laughs) comment where they're like oh you look like her and if like they felt the need to add the bit with the mom because in the black and white prologue we see again mama Voorhees 
so if they felt the need to add that just because they were going to bring her up again later, this is years and years and years into the series. Like, people know who Jason's mom is. Yeah. Like, you don't need to yeah. explain this to me. We've all seen the original. If you, if you were going to remake Jason Takes Manhattan, you might need to fucking shoot me a reminder. But the <laughs> only thing I remember about the original fucking Friday the 13th is mom's head spinning off her fucking shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, um, I'll forgive the second prologue just because it puts Whitney in the woods and Whitney needs to be in the woods. It should have been significantly shorter, but the first black and white section was pointless. What would have been an interesting move, maybe, would have been Jason immediately after Mom's head goes off for like the next week, you know, like comes back and... Like, if they, w- if they would have just made it more concise, like, you're fighting, you know, like, potato sack Jason, pre-hockey mask, like... Well, they did have him pre-hockey mask for a bit there. He for finds, what reason? He finds the hockey mask from dude who's licking a magazine. So this motherfucker's not been killing people for the past 40 fucking <laughs> no, years? No, it cracks me up, though. I don't know if you remember this or not, because uh, we took a, a cigarette <coughs> break and went outside. Um, prologue 1. Um, the black and white prologue, I think, says, like, however many years into... Or maybe it doesn't date prologue one. I don't remember. But then we switched to prologue two, which is called Present Day. And then we switched to... No, I, let me finish. Let me finish. This, I they can't switched, believe that's not on my list, but that's the finish. rest of the episode. Let me finish. Glasses are gone. They switched <laughs> to the actual film, which is technically present day, but it says like six weeks or six months later or something like that. And while we're outside taking a break from the movie, Brett's like, I'm not even worried about any of these kills because these kills haven't happened Why yet. Why has nobody called the cops? This shit's <laughs> happening six weeks in the future. I don't give a fuck. Six weeks from now, you know where the fuck I'm not going to be? Camp Crystal Lake. If you wanted to say six weeks ago and then give me the second prologue that I didn't fucking need and then call the movie present, present day, day, I'd be 100% down with that. But if you call that present day and this is six weeks in the future, I'm still pissed off that you guys killed all those fucking people in the popcorn bag. It's... <laughs> what the... Mm. It's an easy fix. It's an easy fix. It would have taken one dude to go, we said that, that was, was present like day. This hasn't happened yet. How are we writing about it? That was like a solid 10-minute rant that I got outside. <laughs> I think for the rest of the movie. She's like, that's awful. And I'm like, it hasn't happened yet. Like, everything's good. <laughs> don't worry about it. That happens six weeks from now. Don't worry about it. Call her. Uh, call that actress and tell her, hey, don't go, go whatever to you do. the woods. Don't go to the woods with your weird dude who can't afford a fucking flashlight so he's got a nightstick to find a green plant with in the middle of the goddamn night. <laughs> I, okay, um, moving on from that, though. I will say probably my biggest complaint of the film, which it's a slasher, so, um, yeah, most people aren't watching this because they want to connect with the characters, but for the most part, all of the characters were forgettable. Like, the film started with the first like in color prologue with these two brunette chicks who look basically identical and then one of them ends up being Whitney and at this point I haven't had I a chance I didn't even realize that I think we were watching it for half an hour and I was like oh shit that's the same bit <laughs> like I haven't had a chance to care that Whitney has apparently for whatever reason you know gotten onto Jason's soft side and he's just mm. kept her as his pet for weeks on end 
And then in the actual quote-unquote six weeks later slash present day part of the film, two indistinguishable blondes that I don't care about. And (coughs) we sort of had a pseudo implication of a romantic relationship with Clay and Jenna, and I don't really have much time to care about them either. And then she dies in a very undramatic fashion, and that's the end of her (laughs) Like, zero character. There's no character like, development. development. Like, even Clay and Whitney's relationship, I'm just like, ah, fuck it, that's your well, sister, Clay whatever. Well, in and of himself was your biggest complaint, where it was... It, it, Contradictory. At parts, he seemed like the greatest brother a person could have, and they'd be like, so, uh, where the fuck have you been? And it's like, oh, I just kind of abandoned my entire family, my came mom's back dying out of, of fucking nowhere... Yeah, my mom's dying of cancer, and I just dipped, and then I just came back because my sister... Is that a leaf blower? What is that? That is a leaf blower. I thought it was a chainsaw. <laughs> and I was like... It's about to get real. <laughs> well, that's annoying. That is frustrating. Welcome so, uh, to apartment life, guys. Set out in the yeah the breezeway I believe cigarette and then we'll come back to this when we're done blowing cigarette. each other in the fucking breezeway. <laughs> See you in a bit, guys. So, uh, that was not a chainsaw. That was not Leatherface coming for his revenge. It was uh, a Leatherface Mexican maintenance man. And there's Jacks drinking water. He had a, a nice walk today and then a nice bath, and he is now shedding all over the universe. I hit him with the hair dryer. It fluffed him up. He came walking out of the bedroom. Kristen goes, he looks homeless. <laughs> <laughs> the most raggedy I've ever seen him. He usually looks like nice and smooth and his hair is just like in every direction. He still looks a little homeless actually. I don't think I brushed him that good. Man. No, he, he must have taken off 15 pounds. He's starting to shed with that. Uh, the winter is officially over but I think he's got some sort of an allergy to the grass coming in on his feet so I gotta get him some antibacterial spray. If you're Did you see a rash him. on his foot? I didn't but he's been licking between his toes. Yeah. So I think maybe he's got some sort of allergic reaction to something. Isn't that right, buddy? Isn't that right, you fucking goofy idiot? Let me go lay down. Just go lay down. You can lay down right here if you want to. No? Just gonna go over there, drink some more water. You're just gonna lay down with me. Oh, oh, nope. You're going underneath the table. Hey. Hey. Lay down. Lay down. Pick a... <laughs> Jax. <laughs> Pick a spot. Lay down. Lay down. He's like, well, I would lay here, but your bag's in the way. So. It is a relatively large apartment, okay? Compared <laughs> to the size of your body. Can you just find a spot, maybe? <laughs> Do you want to lay with Mama? Do you want to lay with Mama? Mama gave me all the... Anyway. So what were we saying? I think we were talking about Clay 
in his uh, just being an inconsistent character. Yeah, very inconsistent. Um, like what they present visually through the entire film is Clay's the sympathetic dude that's just trying to find his sister and nobody will help him. He's made up these fancy flyers and he's passing them around and Trent has like a moment where he's a total asshole and Clay's just kind of like, okay, if you're going to be that way. But then when he's describing himself to Jenna, who I'm assuming he's romantically interested in, he yeah. seems interested in her. Um, he's just like, yeah, I'm a terrible person, you know. My sister's responsible, and she's taking or was taking care of Can our dying mom. And walking around like a badass. I took off on my him. motorcycle. Yeah, he's like everything I wanted to be when I was like 15 years old. You wanted to abandon your dying mom. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> telling your mom you said that she wasn't dying I'm telling her you said if she gets cancer tomorrow I'm hopping on a Harley I'm you're gonna drive to England on a Harley no, I'm driving further away <laughs> come on come on you terminal bitch chase me that extra four hours on that international flight I love you, Mom. And I wouldn't do that. Uh, but yeah, the only reason he goes looking for his missing sister is because she didn't show up to the funeral. And I guess that's the one thoughtful thing he did was he decided he to come back up to, to the, the funeral. funeral. He's that shithead fucking um, like pawn shop customer that comes in. He's like, well, I know I abandoned them all at the time where they absolutely needed me, but she could have at least gone to the funeral. And it's like, I don't know, bro. <laughs> Maybe she needed a vacation and then got <laughs> murdered over the <laughs> So, yeah, in very inconsistent character. I was told that I, I, I blew my lid back there, so I'm trying to... <laughs> I said you couldn't use up all your energy at the beginning of the podcast because we weren't anywhere near done. I know. Uh, yeah at times he comes off as an irresponsible shithead like I could see myself making that mistake other times he comes off as a complete sociopath and then other times he comes off as a complete like sweetheart speaking of sociopaths nobody in this film seems remotely affected by how gory all their friends are dying speaking of Clay and Jenna right she gets taken out. How'd she get taken out? Speared her, like, right through her chest. Like, stabs her like through right the back in and the him. knife. Yeah. And he goes, oh, Jenna! And then, like, he runs away, and then that never gets readdressed. Like, he doesn't get to safety and start bawling his eyes out. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, he's just not feeling fucking anything. Uh, the shithead douche whose girlfriend's going topless with the guy in the stolen boat. Trent? Trent, yeah. No, that's not his girlfriend. His girlfriend is Jenna, which is like, that's that's a massive... Who was he fucking... Just one of the blondes. Like, that's the thing that, like, really bugged me about the movie is... Okay, so Trent and Doesn't Jenna... everybody see what happens on the lake where dude eats Bolt to the eye and just Mm-mm. runs his girlfriend over? Mm-mm. No? I yeah. thought that there were people like, where's my boat? Like, I... No? No, they like the only uh, point that they used to address that is they're just like they never came back, so they must be dead. Um, but no, okay, so yeah, that was a major irritating moment for me. Trent and Jenna, our boyfriend and girlfriend, and Clay shows up at their little cabin, and 
he's just like she invites him in and he's just like wants your boyfriend like be upset and she's like oh he won't care Mm-hmm. And so she brings Clay in, and then Clay, of course, is being this massive douche, trying to show out, be like, get this motherfucker out of my cabin, you know, or whatever. And then Clay's like, bro, I've got a K bar, <laughs> and I don't remember where I put it. <laughs> <laughs> and so Clay and Jenna like go <coughs> like searching in the woods, like you know, any reasonable adult would just wander into the woods at night alone, instead of calling the police, yeah, looking for his sister. And Trent decides, my girlfriend is in the woods, but gives me permission to fuck this random blonde who is indistinguishable from the other random blonde. Yeah. And who literally. Has stupendous tits. Yeah, stupendous tits. Stupendous tits. And literally, Jenna and Clay come back to the cabin because Jason has been like slaughtering bodies all over the place. And she's banging on the door like, Trent, like, come out. Jason's here yeah. killing people. And he's just. Yeah. <laughs> keeps fucking the random blonde yeah. like she knows they're in there fucking and like Trent comes out give me a minute I'm playing Madden <laughs> Trent comes out He he's at least bothered to get dressed but the random blonde is only wearing a button up t-shirt doesn't put pants on and he accuses the room Jenna. Smells like no, pussy and blood. He accuses Jenna of fucking Clay all through the woods. He's like, You've been out all day fucking this dude all throughout the woods. And she doesn't even mention, Why the fuck doesn't she have pants on? Yeah. Why aren't there no pants on? Why was Are I literally. Are you guys aware that there is a serial killer literally hacking up the two most adorable side actors of all yeah. time? Like, <laughs> but like. <laughs> He doesn't even try to hide the fact that he was fucking this blonde and Jenna, like, at no point, which, if I was dating that asshole, I wouldn't care either. Yeah. I'd be like, fuck the random blonde all you want. We're done. But, I like, Jenna doesn't even... the first time she's walked into that situation. But she doesn't even have, like, a witty comeback that's like, bro, yeah. I was knocking on the door <laughs> while you were fucking her. I heard everything down the hallway, like everybody did. The electricity's been out for oh. a while. The Bluetooth speaker ain't been fucking mm. kicking in a good minute. But yeah, uh, Lawrence and what was the Asian actor's name? Uh, Chewy. Chewy. I was, I was, of all the deaths Chewy in the film. Chewy was my favorite kid in that whole yeah, fucking movie. Yeah, I was the most sad that What was the name Chewy of the died? bong? I should have written that down. Was it Larita? Lucille? Lucille. Lucille, I think. Unless I'm just thinking of Walking, walking Dead. Dead. <laughs> it was Walking Dead. I feel like it might have been Lucille, though. It might have been Lucille. If not, it hit him over the fucking dome like that other Asian kid who gets killed in The Walking Dead. moment, though, when they first pulled the bong out was cute. Because, like, the Asian dude's like, oh, I haven't seen you on the black dude's like, oh, you've been cheating on me with <laughs> a pipe. I saw you with a pipe. That was, that was a cute little moment. I love pot in movies. Like, um, especially, like, if you can, like, smoke pot while you're watching a movie. But you only smoke pot when a character on screen smokes pot. Because I feel like in the horror genre, they're telling you, like, hey, some weird shit's going to go down. Now's a good time to take a rip. We're not going to fuck with you while pot is on the screen. But if you got a character smoking weed in any movie, but especially a horror, that is the perfect time to start smoking weed. Not oh. that I've ever smoked weed or would smoke weed. or um, I, I don't even know what it looks like. I, you know, I... I I was really Kristen hoping. Kristen was like, yeah, it's a pot plant. And I was like, oh my God, I thought uh, that was a whole bunch of tulips. I have no idea. I thought I was hoping I was going to be able to Google the name of the bong and it would come up, but it didn't. I don't know. For some reason, I'm thinking Lucille. But Friday that's, the 13th bong didn't work. I put Friday the 13th, 2009 bong name and that didn't pull anything up. Hmm. 
But anyway, it had a fun name, like Lolita or Lucille. It, it did start with an L. An L yeah. Ah, oh, well. Watch the movie. That's the point of these. <laughs> Figure it out for yourself. No one in the film has a... Yeah. Uh, I think we hit all the bads. We've hit all the notes. We're out of notes. The golden age of the slasher was 1978 to 1984. That's the only note left on my piece of paper. <laughs> Um, I will say, of all the movies we've done to date, um, still consistently not the best storyline. Like, that still is true of all the films we've done so far. But um, it is the only film we've watched so far that I wasn't making fun of and laughing from start to finish. There was, like I said, a moment where I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> so, um, so they got you on that. I mean, that that's the point, I think, of the slasher. Like... The zombie movie has its tropes, and that's what the resort fucked up, was like they didn't create rules for the zombie, they, you know, their world was not defined for the zombie. This, at the very least, felt like they'd created rules for Jason Voorhees that they more or less stuck to. There were a couple of times where it's like if he's on the defensive and everybody in the town knows how to avoid his territory, how does he kill the mechanic who's like licking pussy on a magazine in his own shop and i yeah. do maybe he was just at that point like irritated with the world like i do find it interesting that he went to the cabin as well which was on the other side of the lake why like why did he bother to go to that side of the lake because they weren't on his side at the cabin but they were maybe running just... this, they were running the boat from that area over his lake like... still i, I mean that cabin wasn't on his side of the lake. Why doesn't so. Jason kill kids? Have they established that he doesn't kill kids? Well, like... I don't think most people just chuck a kid was, in the middle of a drug, alcohol-fueled rave in a cabin. No, they don't. But it's Camp Crystal Lake. It's a, it's a camp for children. The kids which didn't. is how he drowned. Because the guidance counselors weren't paying attention. So if it's a camp where kids are supposedly over there in the summer. Unless Isn't they the camp shut down? Did they shut down the camp? Because they looked, still had the sign. They showed all the cabins in the campgrounds, though, and they were super run down. Like, I was under the impression it so was no longer... they the sign and everything. I think it just got left well, there. He never does it. And, like, did they shut the camp down? This might be very basic 1980 original movie. Yeah, I don't think the camp was an active camp anymore. It was in the original, though, because they were all camp counselors. I haven't seen that one in years. They didn't dive into the origin. <clears throat> if you want to see a really good remake, which apparently did not do as well as this one, um, or came out after, I'm not bothering with the figuring it out. I liked... Um, Rob Zombie's Halloween because mm -hmm. it dove deeper into the character. You know, it gives you Michael Myers as a kid in the mental institution, so you get to get attached to Michael Myers. Um, I liked the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, where they dive more into the pedophilia and who this uh, Freddy guy was before he became. Yeah. the nightmare of the entire town and how the parents, you know, burned him out. and it, it, it makes it a lot more personal. Yeah. 
I feel that this one doesn't establish a personal bond with Jason. Like, I wanted to feel like he was protecting his sister instead of his land. Speaking yeah. of, which I don't think that was a note that we brought up, um, before he basically abducts Whitney, Whitney stumbles across this locket that has a photo of his mother, and they, like, in passing mention, she looks like his mother, and, like... That would have been an opportunity to develop some kind of sympathetic connection. Like he oh, keeps... I've heard of Jason Voorhees and his mother because it was a famous murder in this town. You like have that weird, like um, the Scream TV show, the kid that knows everything about the genre. Yeah. Like if you had like one of those type of characters, be like, oh no, Jason Voorhees killed. Like, oh, I think the fucking the... ninety-seven thousand people back here. Well, I think the, the dude that goes looking for the pot does in passing mis- mention Jason but they don't really develop it and like Whitney it's like an urban legend type thing yeah and like Whitney um you see Jason kind of come at her and raise the blade and you never see the blade come down and I was like well clearly she's not dead we're gonna see her again later and um you literally only see her again chained up in like one of his tunnels and they could have taken a moment to like have bits of her and him together kind of developing this relationship because the next time we see Whitney, she knows his name and she has this weird ability to just like hold up the locket and be like, Jason, it's yeah. okay. Like, like this like, whole time he has to have been feeding her or giving her water. Yeah, like, like taking her out you to have pee. Given like a, she's yeah. pseudo-mommy and we don't even get a moment to develop that connection as that to why. beautiful. Like, if they would have just had a moment where it's like... They're having dinner together. You know, he's feeding her, like, a sandwich of some sort, and he's just sitting there, like, just outside of her, what she can move to. And he's just sitting there like a child watching her eat. Like, or that would even be if scary he makes, and romantic. Even and, if he makes you know, her make them both sandwiches, like, makes her adopt this mom role. pulls the mask up and he's just got that mongoloid face. Yeah, like, there, there was, like, a total missed opportunity to develop this relationship because he's had her for several weeks at this point. Um, and we, we don't establish why he feels a connection with her. He's just mad when she's no longer his chained up prisoner. And like literally the only mention is she looks like mom. Like develop this relationship of her being replacement mom. Yeah, you could do like the like as they did in the Halloween. Like sure Michael's mother's a stripper and the dad's like a paraplegic who can't, you know move around a whole lot he's a dickhead but uh you get the moment of the mother's suicide in the halloween remake and it's like holy shit this kid is pure evil the only person he cared about just died now the only thing that he has is his baby sister sister, which he spends the rest of the movie just trying to be near her. Mm-hmm. You can create these really beautiful moments with these really fucked up characters. Yeah. But sometimes it's easier just to kill people in really fucked up ways. And final, <coughs> final complaint on my end. Um, double tap. Period. Like, you don't leave mm. the bad guy hopefully dead. Like, she, Whitney has like this little badass moment where she like chucks 
Jason's chain into the wood chipper that I knew was going to like make a comeback at some point in the film, which they faked me out on that. I thought yeah. it was going to make a comeback sooner, but they put too much emphasis on it for it not to make a comeback. And Jason kind of gets strangled, and then the chain doesn't hold his weight, and so he falls, and then... The chain yanks him into the wood chipper, and all you see is it grazing the very tip of his skull. And I'm Doesn't like, "Doesn't even nick the goddamn yeah. mask." And like Whitney has this like badass line where she's like, "Say hi to mommy in hell," and stabs him. But it's like, no, like tip his ass up into the wood yeah, chipper. Grab him by the ankles and just <sighs> feed the whole upper half of his body into that shit. Rip his lower half off and then feed him in ankle at a time. Don't <laughs> like I know that's typically associated with like zombies like get them in the head period you're dealing with some supernatural killer double tap that motherfucker i think like if you're dealing with a legend like that like they've blown him up with an rpg they didn't show any blood when they killed jason like it it it, like clicks his you know his mask and they can't do that if they would have fucked him up and then reanimated him somehow like, he got hit by an RPG. I know he can reanimate. If you put a bucket on the other side that is just doing nothing but catching pieces of Jason Voorhees, and then, like, you show that bucket surrounded by cops, and then the bucket is empty, and it's just blood, and Jason comes out and takes out the whole goddamn, you know, fucking police force, like, fuck this, I'm still here. But instead, they, they have... dump him in the lake and he, like, reanimates him. And the how lake. the hell did the two of them carry him all the way to the lake? They don't have a car. He's seven foot eight! They don't have a car, and they decide for some reason to dump his body back into the lake. Like, literally, just feed him through the wood chipper. Yeah. Problem solved. It happened in Fargo. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so that's my, that, that's my main takeaway from this film. Make sure bad guy is dead dead. Yeah, no. If, if, if he's going to have an hour and a half of fucking you up, you're going to have a level of rage that says he's never coming back again. And he can come back again, which is the thing that we as an audience know when we're dealing with these heroes of the slasher genre. But you have to make his death violent and then meaningless. <laughs> you can't kind of kill Jason, Freddy, or Michael. You have to put that motherfucker down so that when he comes back, you're like, holy shit, we shot him into space. <laughs> I feel like I did see that one, though. Like I, I feel like I remember there being nanobots or something that kind of pieced him back together. They like semi explained like how how he reanimated. Yeah, like yeah. they had like well, nanobot when he got technology. Up, he became a soul possessor, and so like the mortician handling his brain became Jason and that was a really cool one because it was a bunch of different actors yeah we gotta watch that because I definitely haven't seen that one I'd have to figure out which one that was again I think we talked about it on an earlier show but I can't remember I think we just talked about it with each other I don't think we podcasted about it because when you were telling me about it I was like what (laughs) I've never even heard of that one I definitely gave up on the series well before that one but there's a new Chucky coming out um, Ooh, the poster that you posted on Facebook was cool. Yeah, the poster that uh, yeah found it. Uh, is it Mark Hamill? 
Yeah, he tweeted it. They're toying around with their release date <laughs> coinciding with it's like, Toy Story. Woody or wouldn't he not? <laughs> Woody or would he not, I think was Mark Hamill's thing. But yeah, it's Chucky's feet walking away from a dead Woody from Toy Story because they share the same release. Like that, that that's that's fucking fun. Which if we I feel like we may have podcasted about that. So if we brought it up before, um, I originally sent Brett just the photo of what Chucky looked like, and Brett was not chill with that. (laughs) And I watched the trailer when I couldn't have the sound on, so I watched the trailer with no sound, and I wasn't particularly chill with the trailer either. But we went back and watched it with sound on, and we were both relatively cautiously optimistic relatively lukewarm if not not chill i'm still (laughs) i'm still uh hesitant about the way the cgi (coughs) looks i'm not a fan i'm hoping in the actual film it proves to be better than that one scene that's in the trailer but the trailer was again it's entirely what they do with the character i like Two, uh, this is off the rails completely from what this episode is supposed to be about. Well, I think this concludes our Friday the 13th conversation. <laughs> I ran out of notes a couple of minutes ago, so we're just freewheeling it. Right probably, now. but I did see um, somebody commented back when the trailer like first released that they liked that Andy was no longer a passive character, or whoever the kid's name is. It may not be Andy, it but you know that. It is Andy, and that's what makes the Toy Story release hilarious. Because Andy is also the kid from oh, yeah, sure. Toy Story. Okay, so Andy and like these other children that were also in the trailer with him are no longer these passive characters. They're not looking to an adult to save them. They're like, fuck you, we're going to stop Chucky if you won't take me seriously. So there is an interesting surgence of that lately. Like we've seen the remake Strong of it. Children. Yeah, we've seen the remake of it, which is these children fighting back. Uh, Stranger Things is these children acting as the heroes. Which we found out John Carpenter had a hand in production. Producer, I believe, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, now it seems Child's Play is empowering the children in these films. So that's kind of a cool, like, surgence of empowered characters in the horror genre. I think it's interesting how they change, you know? Like, it's kids, it, it was women, and then I guess the Halloween movie that I still have not seen, I the, seen the, the new one, I'm not paying $20 for DVD, so. I pay $15 for Netflix. Uh, get all the movies I want to watch. But, um, yeah, no, there, 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 there was a movement for you needed the strong woman character, and now it's you need the strong kid. Was there uh, ever really an era, I mean, in horror, uh, of the strong man? Because if I really think about it, all the original slasher movies were all babysitter movies. The women were the strong characters. Like Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween is the badass. With Cindy. Yeah. It's always been a woman character. Even I Know What You Did Last Summer, which kind of paralleled with Scream, I think, was a female character. The Evil Dead might be the only one that comes to mind, where it's Ash is the badass of all badasses. Uh, left house, left house, last house on the left. Like it's the parent duo, but I feel like the dad is the more prominent character. The dad fucks Krug up in yeah. some pretty significant ways. So, <laughs> I, I do think that's leaning more heavily to yeah, the male. You could redo last, but they did redo last house in the original last house though. It's both of them. 
It's both the parents because cool. there's the blowjob scene. Do you remember the blowjob scene? I haven't seen the original. The film. original Last House, there's a scene where, and I can't remember the dude's name, but he's a porn star from back then. Uh, he's one of Krug's like, henchmen, and he forces her, I believe at gunpoint or knife point, to suck his dick. And like three strokes in, she bites his dick off and kills him. Jesus. And then yeah. the dad is inside fighting Krug. But you know, even in the remake, it's kind of the parent duo, but the dad, I think, is the one who gets that final kill with the microwave at the end. So the dad is still kind of the yeah, leader, the, Yeah. but it is kind of them as a team. But well, he's still. protecting his baby girl, so yeah. it's a, you know... I don't know. It's an interesting era right now in horror. Stranger Things, like, the children are definitely the stars of the show, but the main adult character is a male cop. So that is... Uh, like he is kind of the strong. Well, you can't make lead. them all. Like you can't. I don't want to get political and stuff. I've had a few beers, so if you if you don't like the, where we're going with this conversation, you can feel free to tune the fuck out. But um, like it can't all be identity politics when you're dealing with horror. Well, the interesting thing about Stranger Things is they've taken. I know you haven't seen it, so this may be spoiling yeah. it a bit for you. But the main character is kind of this cop who's like gone through a really rough patch in life and he connects with the main child character which is a little girl so you see this dynamic of him kind of assuming the role of her father so they're both like strong in their own rights but also somewhat dependent on each other so it is this interesting dynamic of these two people that are somewhat broken finding strength in each other that is interesting I don't know that is a discussion I wanted to get into on the last conversational and I'm definitely keeping it for the next conversational because I feel like this is one that could fill up an hour Yeah. but once again posing the question what do we do in this culture of trigger warnings and identity politics when we're messing with things that are just supposed to fuck everybody up like it's just intended to scare the shit out of you when should we follow that line of this is okay and this is not okay? Because evil doesn't give a shit. <laughs> you have anything to add? Uh, my takeaway is... Uh, oh, shit. Less deep than yours. It's not really a takeaway per se. I'm still... I'm sorry. I thought we did yours. No, you're fine. I mean, I did kind of do my takeaway. This isn't really like a takeaway. Takeaway part two, <laughs> Kristen Pennington. No, it's not a takeaway, actually, really. Um, I still am curious because I feel like, to some extent, that is an insight to the kind of person you are. Like, if you're listening to this and you have watched the film, like, what was either your favorite death or how would you choose to go out yourself based on the kills in the film? Like, I would like to hear feedback on the. Can I pose the broader question that mm-hmm. I posed earlier with that one as well? Which mm-hmm. is, if you have a favorite kill in horror, where you're like, that one stuck with me, mm-hmm. write in and tell us about it. We can set up a poll if we can get enough people that, you know, we can do like a weekly poll if we get enough people responding to the questions and stuff. But which one of these would have you preferred? And which one in general, if you're a big horror buff or an action movie buff and you were like, I love the way this shit went down in Terminator, like, 
if you've got a really cool horror movie kill, mm-hmm. tell us because I'd love to see it. I can sit here on YouTube for hours doing nothing but fucking watching people get dead. Like it, it's one of the darkest things I do before I go to sleep every night. <laughs> Social media. I, I thought you were going to ask me for the plugs, and I was just going to stare you in the face. <laughs> no, I know. I'm the one who has to do that. Uh, where are we at on our email? Uh, email is nightmareboxproductions <coughs> at gmail.com. What about our Facebook? Facebook is facebook.com slash nightmareboxproductions. What about Instagram? At nightmareboxproductions. What about Twitter? <laughs> in the face with a pen uh, at Nightmare Box Pro. <laughs> no, we're just having a pin war. Uh, we got a bit off the rails, but thanks for listening today, guys. We, we kinda... did have a good news before we close out. We got our first official business email. Somebody that was interested in uh, showcasing the dolls. Yeah, um, we got a distributor. We don't know what we're gonna do with yet, yeah. so it might not. <laughs> We got a distributor that's interested in distributing the dolls, but um, we technically have distributed it already, so we're going to see kind of what... The offer is. Yeah, like what their expectations are, so we'll see how that goes. Um, If you haven't watched the dolls, that's on my YouTube and the YouTube for Nightmare Box Productions, so you can either YouTube... um, dot com slash Kristen Pennington and then um, we don't have an official URL for the Nightmare Box one but um, but it can, can be found in the right hand corner of nightmarebox.blog yeah so um, and if you also go on nightmarebox.blog you can buy my collection the Batman Diaries just click over there to the PayPal type in your address and I'll send you an autographed copy for I think it's ten fifteen dollars so. and also a uh, side note if you're listening to this podcast we've had a lot of people kind of interested in um, you know what we're doing like the content and stuff and we've had requests to uh, donate so Brett and I are kind of looking at like what incentives would be so if anyone's listening and you would like to contribute to the podcast if there's specific um I guess rewards for lack of a better word that you would be interested in like hit us up we're still kind of like we should come up with like a list of five yeah. so like there's like five different increments and they get cooler as you go up yeah. and we do them once a month so we're kind of batting around that idea so if you have thoughts you know definitely hit us up um, is that it? yeah any other ideas? no uh, uh, to to kind of reestablish where we bashed blue though i would like to say i did hit up blue and they have offered to uh test out our mic if i send it in and potentially replace it so thanks blue um way to go blue if you're uh (laughs) wanting to be a sponsor person i will happily sponsor you i know i yelled at you very aggressively a couple of weeks ago (laughs) my apologies but the sooner that we get in with uh, two microphones, the cleaner this whole thing will sound. We're working out the kinks as we go, but that's why we gave it that name. <laughs> I love you. I love you. And I love you guys. And uh, we'll see you in a few days. Bye-bye. And on the tippity-tap, tip-tip-tap, <laughs> tippity-tap-tap, tip-tip-tap. I don't know how to get to my bumper. Fucking keyboard.